In George Orwell's 1984, Winston Smith recalls, perhaps it was the time when the atomic bomb had fallen on Colchester. In 1954, we imagine the events which might have led to that catastrophic disaster and then the nightmare that became Big Brother. Episode 8, Colchester. Okay, quiet in the studio. Rutherford, you're live in 10, 9, 8, uh, don't fuck this up. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello, this is Rutherford Radio Hour, broadcasting live from our studios in London. Today, we're asking the question, what's happened to Bob Ogilvie? Since the unveiling of the monument to those lost in the Fitzsimmons tragedy, he's hardly been seen in public, and on the very few occasions he has been spotted, he has looked very unwell. Friends of the Prime Minister are said to be worried that he's drinking again, and that the responsibilities of high office are taking a serious toll on his health. To discuss these and other issues... I'm joined by the National Broadcast Junior Political Correspondent, Erica Blair. Good morning. Erica, is Bob Ogilvie up to the job? These are testing times, and he seems to have vanished, just at the moment when clear leadership is needed, particularly in the early stages of the trade talks with Atlantica. Trade talks which he has, up till now, strongly resisted. I think it's far too early to write him off. Of course, as is inevitable with any leader, his honeymoon period has worn off, but that doesn't mean he's a busted flush. But what about the rumours that he's drinking heavily and in poor health? Well, they are just rumours, and I think we all know who these so-called friends you mentioned are. Do not go there. So there's no cause for alarm? The point is that these are very challenging times for all of us, and particularly for him. There has been a considerable fallout for him personally, as a consequence of the photographs you published. In the public interest. And he's having to deal with that. One of the things that make him so popular is his focus on family, and let's not forget that he delivered his party a thumping majority after 20 years in opposition. I don't think anyone would deny that he ran a brilliant campaign. But there are many, including in his own party, who are reluctantly concluding that he was much better at campaigning than he is at actually doing the job. As I say, there are a lot of people with vested interests rushing to write his political obituary, and I think we, as a national broadcaster, should not be rushing to join them. There have been many people suggesting, and these are not rumours, many people have said, on the record, that they believe that Deputy Leader William Benson should take over. And after his overwhelming victory in the Gloucester by-election, and considering the goodwill toward him after Fitzsimmons, both here and in Atlantica, he might be the best person to lead trade talks. And who's to say that we won't be back here in a couple of months discussing why the shine has come off William Benson? For fuck's sake, Rutherford. Get her off that. You've been out and about, Erica, doing a sterling job in all weathers. Canvassing opinions on the Clapham omnibus, and the vast majority of your interviewees have agreed that Mr Benson should be leading the country. The vast majority whose opinions you've broadcast, certainly. And, of course, he acted bravely in Fitzsimmons. No one could deny that and we're short on national heroes at the moment. But we shouldn't allow that to blind us to his past. Move on. But you can't deny that popular sentiment is on his side. And it was on Bob Ogilvie's side not that long ago. Things change. He has had a meteoric rise in the party, from humble backbencher to deputy leader in a matter of months. Good. Well, that's not so surprising, is it? <laughs> he was de facto deputy leader before he was elected. About which you were very critical at the time. He's been elected now, 
You can't have it both ways. We both know, if only from your excellent interviews, that if there was a general election tomorrow and William Benson was leader of the party, there would be another landslide. That's not going to happen, though, is it? And I'd like to point out that in many of my interviews, which strangely haven't made it to air... We're here, of course, to talk about Bob Ogilvy. Please, let me finish. I have heard a lot of, frankly, hair-raising stories about people disappearing after visits from the welfare force. You can't always rely on what you hear on the streets. Really? William Benson was the architect of the welfare force and has serious questions to answer about an armed militia of uniformed thugs going around beating people up and worse. Those stories are unsubstantiated. And even if some of them are true... He was busy being a hero in Fitzsimmons at the time. So what you're saying doesn't change anything. We're going to music now. He really did a number on you, didn't they? I- I'm afraid we're experiencing some technical difficulties, so here's some music. It was only an hopeless fancy. It passed like an April day. But a look and a word and the dreams that they stirred, they have stolen my heart away. They saw What the fuck do you think you're playing at? Do you want to get us all killed? How long do you think you're going to survive, Mitchell? It must be hard to breathe with your head so far up Benson's ass. Show's over. Rutherford, fuck off. You told me to give us some rope. Not that fucking much. Not interrupting, am I? Who the fuck are you? Just a messenger, Mr. Tennyson. Don't shoot me. What do you want? Very interesting broadcast. Edifying. I've always been an admirer of yours, Miss Blair. Always so forthright in your opinions. If you'd like to come with me, I'd welcome the opportunity to discuss your career with you at length. Oh, cut the crap. Oh, dear. They always say you shouldn't meet your heroes. And what if I refuse? Well, I have some very persuasive friends in the next room. Mr Tennyson's met them. How is your hand, Mr Tennyson? Fucking useless. Thank you for asking. Oh, good. Shall we, Miss Blair? Oh, by the way, as you now have a gap in your schedule, my friends have lined up the next programme on the tape player. What? What is it? Oh, I forget. Uh, You still think you run this place. It's not something you need to know. But it's an interesting documentary about a shadowy organisation which is working to destroy our democracy. Led by a charismatic and very dangerous man, name of Emmanuel Goldstein. Manny Goldstein? You're not serious. Would you like to come with us, Miss Rutherford? No. That's what I thought. By the way, you needn't worry, Mr Tennyson. The documentary has been cleared at the highest level. Shall we, Miss Blair? Bob Ogilvy? Bob, it's me. Meg. It's so lovely to hear your voice. You need to come here. What's happened? Are the kids... The kids are fine, but... What? There's something going on, Bob. I'm really worried. What's happening? They've taken Richard again. But I... I know you did. But there are people hanging around the house. I think they're WF, but I can't be sure. They move on very quickly whenever I leave the house, but... But what? They've been talking to the kids. What? Asking questions about you and me and... I think I'm on the list, Bob. They wouldn't dare. Wouldn't they? Right. I'm coming down. Keep the kids where you can see them and and 
Be careful. Thank you. I love you, Meg. Goodbye, Bob. Prime Minister? Where's Carl? He's just arrived for your nine o'clock, Prime Minister. Send him straight in. Yes, sir. And get the Deputy Prime Minister on the phone. Fuck. Get in here. Bob. Don't fucking bob me. Prime Minister. That's more like it. What's going on? I'm going to Colchester now. Not sure that's a good idea. I'm not asking for your opinion, you prick. Just once it would be nice if you didn't argue the toss. I'm just doing my job as your senior advisor. May I ask why? Why all the hurry? Not that it's any of your business, but your fucking welfare force is threatening my family. They are not my welfare force, Prime Minister. And they've re-arrested my friend. We've been through this, Prime Minister. You can't go around unilaterally undermining the WF. We've had to scramble to stop it leaking. If it got out, particularly at a time when you're being criticised for a lack of visibility that you'd been in Colchester, throwing your weight around, all hell would be let loose. I'm the fucking Prime Minister, Carl. Which doesn't put you above the law. If people find out about you springing Richard Franks from prison, the, the narrative will be all about how there's one rule for you and another for everyone else. I'm sure I don't need to explain how that would play out. He still doesn't know why he was arrested. Detained for re-education. They're out of control and need to be stopped. They seem to think they're above the law. They enforce the law, Prime Minister. The law introduced by your government. Which I opposed from the start. It gives me no pleasure that I was right all along. I hope you're not going to say things like that publicly. The Prime Minister contradicting his own government. This was one of your flagship policies. So Prime Ministers aren't allowed to make mistakes? Of course they are. As long as they don't admit them. If you want to talk about reforming the WF in order to make them even more efficient and fit for purpose, then I'm all is. But they've been hanging around outside my family home. I'm sure they haven't. Are you saying my wife is a liar? Absolutely not. But she may have got the wrong end of the stick. They're most likely gutter journalists sniffing around for scandal in your private life. I, I'm happy to send some WF personnel to investigate. Oh, don't you fucking dare. Yes? Deputy Prime Minister Benson for you on line one. Put him through. Bob, how are you this morning? Fucking furious. I'm here to help. What seems to be the problem? The fucking welfare force threatening my friends and family. That's very serious, Bob. I'll get onto it right away. That's absolutely unacceptable. I'll hand Carl his ass over this. Carl's here. Of course you are. I'm trying to dissuade the Prime Minister from dashing to Colchester again. We need him to be visible and being seen to be supportive of the WF. What nonsense. Bob, of course you must go to Colchester. I wouldn't expect you to understand, Carl, but family comes first, always. I do understand, but I'm worried that if the Prime Minister... I'm still here, you know. If the Prime Minister is seen to oppose the WF, it will give ammunition to those who think that he's moving away from the party and is in cahoots with Mary Brown. Right, that's enough out of you. Fuck off. The grown-ups are talking. Quite right, Bob. You get off to Colchester. I'll hold the fort here. We'll put out a press statement, make it all sound kosher. Rutherford can read it out on our show. Well, she's a lightweight. It would sound better coming from Erica Blair. Yeah, I'm afraid she's been redeployed, Bob. Where? Well, someone needs to keep the National Broadcast Studios clean. Right. Safe journey, Bob. And try not to worry. I'll set the wheels in motion. Ciao. You heard all that, Ambassador? Yes, I did. I'm not sure sending him to Colchester so soon was a great idea. 
We need him where we can control him. Don't worry about that. Bob Ogilvy can't take a piss without me knowing about it in advance, and this is perfect. We didn't send him. He went of his own free will, or at least he thinks he did. But it's too soon. It's not ideal, I admit. And Maltravers? She's more of a headache, certainly. Listen to this. Is this Mitchell Tennyson? Speaking. Who is this? Is this line secure? Yes. I can't tell you my name, but I have a story for you. Go on. Not on the phone. In person. I'm not in the habit of meeting unknown people. How do I know you're not some sort of crank? You don't. But I have information. William Benson doesn't want you to have it. It would destroy him. I'm listening. I'll send you instructions about where to meet. If you want proof that you can trust me, contact Bob Ogilvy. Have you got a pencil and paper? Yes. Write this down. Walsingham cheese with apple chutney. About ten years ago in the book's arms. He'll know what that means. Shit. Have they met? Not yet. And it doesn't matter. Tennyson belongs to us. But what about Maltravers? We we can't arrest her. The programme needs her, otherwise it'll never finish. The WF doesn't just arrest people, Janine. They're also very good at leaning on people. They can help us persuade her that the final testing needs to be brought forward. She's very headstrong. So am I. She could sink us. She could. But no one is indispensable, Janine. Even Maltravers. She's done an incredible job on the design and implementation, and probably no one else could have done what she did. But we're talking about fine-tuning. There are plenty of other boffins up there capable of that. And none of them have an overview of the whole project. Even if they wanted to talk, none of them knows enough. But we don't know what she told Bob, and that worries me. I think it's fairly obvious. So what's Ogilvy really up to? I doubt if even he knows. But don't worry, we're watching him. We can keep him in Colchester as long as necessary, and in the meantime, we accelerate the programme. This way, Maltravers will have much less time to make trouble. And if she feels cornered? There's no knowing what she will do. Hmm. Well, if it makes you feel better, we can get the welfare force to recommend a sabbatical for Tennyson, somewhere very isolated for an indefinite period. That won't necessarily stop her. No. You, uh, don't think she knows about Fitzsimmons? Only one person knew, and he tragically died when the volcano went up. Although, she must have known that one of her team was seconded to Fitzsimmons' shit. But all the material came from Atlantica. There's no paper trail. There better not be. So all she really knows is that she's been working on a new weapon in the ongoing struggle with Eurasia, which is an official secret. So, if she breathes a word... It'll be treason. If only we could prove she had links to Eurasia. Oh, we will, if we need to. But there might be another way. Erica, my coffee's gone cold. You've got just enough time to get me a fresh one before we go on air. Fuck off. Don't speak to our star reporter like that. Do as you're asked. Uh, And two more coffees in here, too. Of course, sir. Right away, sir. Fuck you, sir. I heard that. You were meant to. Rutherford, we've got a new item for the top of the show. That's a bit bloody short notice. I'm so sorry. 
Would you like me to ask the news to break at a time which you find more convenient? It's coming through now. Just read it. No opinions, no discussion. Read it out and move on to the next item. Sorry, are you my new boss? You never know your luck. Just read it. Coffee? I do hope you enjoy it. Erica, get out of there. Rutherford, you're live in ten, nine, eight, seven, six. Good luck, five, studio. Four, three, two, one. Hello, this is Rutherford Radio Hour, broadcasting live from our studios in London. And in breaking news, we have just received the following statement from the Prime Minister, Bob Ogilvie. Fellow citizens, I am aware that I have not been very visible to you in the last few weeks, and that consequently, there have been many rumours flying about suggesting that I was not in the best of health. Firstly, I would like to apologise for that lack of visibility and reassure you that I am in very robust health. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said of my beloved wife Margaret, who has been suffering with a serious illness for some time. She is a very private woman, and it is with great reluctance that we have decided to go public with this. I am doing so now with her blessing, as she agrees that you deserve to know the truth. I am happy to say that Margaret, though not out of the woods yet, is well on the road to recovery. Nevertheless, I have decided that my place at the moment is by her side, helping to nurse her back to health and doing my part in the raising of our two wonderful children. I shall therefore be returning to my hometown of Colchester to do that. Of course, I will still be doing the job you elected me to do. But government is not reliant on one man or one woman. Government is a team, and I am so proud of what my team has achieved, with our economy thriving again the creation of new jobs and housing and the huge improvements already in the health and education sectors. I am confident that this country is in great shape and in excellent hands. My day-to-day duties, I am leaving in the very capable hands of Deputy Prime Minister William Benson, who I know will do a splendid job. Please rest assured that I will be back full-time as soon as Margaret's health allows and that whatever happens in the interim, the buck stops with me. And moving on to our other top stories of the day. Good. Your car is waiting. I've told you. I don't need a sabbatical. And this piece of paper says you do. I have done everything required of me. I have turned a once reputable broadcaster into a government mouthpiece. And we're all very grateful, I'm sure. But at the same time, you have been arranging covert meetings with enemies of the state. What the fuck are you talking about? Do you deny it? Of course I fucking do. Of course you fucking do. Nevertheless, we mustn't keep the driver waiting. He has several other pickups today. Where am I being taken? To an awfully nice place, I believe. Comfy beds, good food. I hear they do a very fine Walsingham cheese with apple chutney. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck indeed. Now off you pop, and don't worry, Mr. Tennyson. I'll hold the fort here. I've developed rather a taste for radio. This is so embarrassing. I had to get you out of the house. It's not safe to talk there. But a wheelchair, Bob? 
But now the whole country thinks you're a chronic invalid. We have to put on a show. I can't believe you let Benson write your press release. I need him to think he's in charge. Are you sure he isn't? Benson's toast, Meg. What do you mean? I've got something on him. Something that will blow the bastard sky high. What? I can't tell you. That bad? That bad. So why are you sitting on it? He thinks he's playing me. But this is perfect. He's still very popular, but a few weeks fucking up the deputy prime ministership will put pay to that. They'll be desperate to have me back and then I'll destroy him. I hope so. We need to turn round in a bit. I'm expecting Carl. What is that oily little bastard up to now? Oh, don't worry. He's just delivering my dispatch boxes. He's pretty much just Benson's gopher these days. Not before time. Oh, this is lovely. I've missed this view. Look, Meg, those photographs... I don't want to hear it, Bob. Mary gave me a hug because she thought I needed it. That's all. We've been through all this. I just wanted to say this. They were published under Rutherford's byline in a paper she didn't even work for. She was a bust at the time, a third-rate hack, haunting in the chestnut tree with all the other gin-soaked has-beens. And now she's chief political correspondent at the National Broadcast. So? All I'm saying is that she didn't get the job through her talent as a journalist. I wish you would believe me. I would never do anything to hurt you. I'm getting cold. Push me home, please. Any luck? The line's still busy. I don't understand it. Only Maltravers and I have access to this extension. Should you go to her? The boat will never get there in this weather. So, what do we do? I'll have to override her. She'll hit the roof. Who cares? We're way off being able to beat a test safely. She knows that. It could be a fucking catastrophe, and I'm not risking any more lives just because she's got a bee in her bonnet. We were on schedule before she suddenly decided to bring everything forward. What's she up to, Jenkins? I don't want any part of it, whatever it is. What the hell? You can't be in here. And you certainly can't... Put that down this instant. Professor Jenkins? Yes? Can you take that ridiculous helmet off, please? I'm afraid that's not possible, sir. This facility has been subject to a serious contamination I assure you it hasn't. And is being closed down, effective immediately. On whose authority? All personnel will be placed under quarantine until further notice. Get me Maltravers, now. Aye, Professor. Sergeant. Put that telephone down, now. Who the hell do you think you are? Any other questions? For Christ's sake! I must talk to Professor Maltravers. Professor Maltravers is dangerously ill and on a ventilator, having been an early victim of contamination. It's doubtful she'll make it through the night. You're lying. She was a gobby bitch as well. Wasn't she just? And stronger than she looked. Do you want to go on that ventilator? Do we understand each other, Professor Jenkins? Who the fuck are you? There will be no communication permitted with the mainland and all equipment and experimental ordnance is being confiscated. You can't do that. Those are my orders. I mean, some of this material is highly volatile. 
It's far too dangerous for untrained personnel to handle. You're beginning to get on my nerves, Professor. I don't care. You march in here with your bunch of goons in ridiculous protective suits, refuse to identify yourself and give me some cock and bull story. And if you other geniuses want to argue the toss? No? Thought not. Right. You. Sir? Drop Jenkins in the sea. The rest of you get the boffins to help you pack all this up. Carefully. How's he doing, would you say? Are we just making polite conversation? He's my oldest friend. I want to know. Of course. He's fine. Rather seems to be enjoying himself. Well, that's good news, isn't it? If you say so. And Margaret? Oh, she's in rude health. But being discreet. No need to worry. I do wish I could get down to see them. No one stopping you. The pressures of high office, Carl. Maybe you could organise a press junket so everyone can see how concerned you are. Well, when did you get to be so cynical, Carl? When I met you. <laughs> good old Carl. Do you need good old Carl for anything? Otherwise I've got stuff to be getting on with. I do need you to go back to Colchester. Oh, for fuck's sake, I've only just got back. It's a lovely place. It's a shithole with a nice castle. Well, if this job doesn't work out, you should try for a position with the tourist board. <sighs> Very funny. In all seriousness, Carl, I realise this toing and froing is a pain in the ass, but I wouldn't trust this to anyone else. These are sensitive documents which Bob needs to see. If I could do this another way, I would. But you know how leaky telephones can be. What you're doing is a crucial part of the smooth operation of government. Whatever. I know we can't predict the future, but I think I can confidently say that you'll reap your reward. Yes? All ready for you now, sir. Excellent, thank you. Uh, it's waiting for you at reception, Carl. Uh, incidentally, it's not your usual driver. Oh, uh, there's a package for the Colchester Welfare Force. They're expecting it. It's some new equipment we're trialling. Just remind them not to touch it until the instructor arrives to train them. Am I trusted enough to know what it is? I'm afraid it's all a bit on the QT until we know it works properly. Oh, and uh, I'll need uh, an answer from Bob about some of the documents I'm sending, so you'll need to stay the night. There's a room for you at the Ogilvy Hotel. Oh, aren't I lucky? You are. I'd love to have time to stay there. Anyway, better get on. Safe journey. Back again. Like the proverbial bad penny. Bob, Carl's here. Again? I'm afraid so. All right, leave them with Margaret. I'll be back tomorrow for an answer. Something to look forward to. Goodbye, Carl. Goodbye, Margaret.
Good evening. This is the radio broadcast live from London. We immediately hand over to Whitehall for a special announcement from Deputy Leader Benson. This is a day we have all been hoping would never arrive, but arrive it has. Yesterday at precisely 1300 hours an atomic bomb was dropped on Colchester. The town was completely destroyed and all its inhabitants killed. An area stretching from the River Blackwater in the south to the River Orwell in the north has been evacuated. Among the dead was our beloved Prime Minister, Bob Ogilvy, along with his wife Margaret and their two young children. We will avenge their deaths, citizens. They will not be in vain. They mustn't be in vain. In this time of national grief, we must not rush to judge who is responsible for this heinous crime. But with recent developments over the other side of the world, it is clear who must answer our questions first. This day, January the 21st, 1954, will be remembered forever as the day we began our fight for justice, our fight for truth, our fight for society, our fight for freedom. Long live English socialism. Nineteen fifty four is a packing shed production written by Patrick Marlowe and Neil Darcy Jones. Playing the various characters are Richard Conrad, Neil Darcy Jones, Grace Dunn, Tim Freeman, Ben Jacobson, Charlotte Luxford, Patrick Marlowe, and Kate Milner. Music is by At Swiffin's Edge, and the series is recorded and edited by Michael Parker, courtesy of Studio Six Music. <laughs>